Hi, I'm Brandon Noel, the editor for Asphalt Contractor Magazine. And today is part one of a new series in which we're going to examine specific communities, the way infrastructure changes and impacts them over time, and how they're working to restore what's been lost. There are big changes coming to downtown Detroit. And as the city nears the start of its massive reclamation and redevelopment project in the area known as Black Bottom, we want to focus on this prosperous neighborhood, the refuge that it was during a time of heavy segregation for African-American families and business. Black Bottom was home to over 300 such businesses, hospitals, and a whole entertainment district called Paradise Valley. And it was all entirely destroyed, its people forced to relocate when construction on Interstate 375 began. With the removal of the highway, slated to begin soon, I asked longtime reporter for the Detroit Free Press, John Gallagher, about the decision-making and the policy mindsets that led to the elimination of such a rich cultural center for Black Americans. The attitude was that, you know, we're creating uh, a, a vibrant new city here. That the idea, coming out of World War II, the idea was that we had a lot of substandard housing, uh, what they called slums. But certainly, uh, if you read what they said at the time, they thought we're replacing all this really ratty, code-violated, run-down, late 19th century housing with this vibrant new city, lots of new housing, light industrial parks, new hospitals, and expressways. Expressways sort of gets the, the blame for all of it, but a lot of things replace, you know, what was taken down in urban renewal. And as late as, I don't know, the 90s, when I would interview some of these people who were still around, they still thought they had done the right thing. Now, today, we realize, you know, a lot was lost, obviously. John, what do you think contributed to this mindset? You know, how could they get into that frame of mind to, to do these things? Personally, I think it had to do with we won World War II through this massive logistical top-down command and control operation, you know, millions of people you know, pulling as one against a really clear enemy. And I think coming out of World War II, a lot of these guys sort of had that same attitude toward urban renewal, you know, where there's a clear problem and the way you deal with it is to wipe it out. And so that's what happened. And nowadays we take this much more sensitive view about you have to work with what's there now and you try to displace as few people as possible. So you think that things are different now? People's attitudes now have changed? The other thing to remember is that when uh, we had a big debate here about uh, community benefits when you build a new factory, what are the community benefits? And the, the builders would say, well, the factory is the community benefit. You know, the expressway is the community benefit. Uh, I, I remember I had a developer once say to me that a developer is one who takes a worthless piece of dirt and gives it economic value by building something on it. That, you know, you're creating this great new piece of infrastructure and creating lots of jobs and tax base along the way and enabling future growth. So, you know, the attitude has always been, I think, when people whether it's in the urban renewal day, days or today, the attitude has always been, you know, we're doing the right thing, we're doing being very positive, we're aiding growth, we're building the future, and so on and so forth. I think what's confusing to me, John, is looking back at the plans in the 1960s, they invested $50 million, which is almost half a billion dollars in today's money. Um, and rather than investing in the infrastructure in that community, they spent it on a road but I, I guess I want to know, can you speak to why not spend that money and make the city better directly uh, rather than uh, putting it in the place that they did and build 
the interstate? I, I think partly it's the, it goes back to an attitude of, you know, we have an opportunity here to create this new city. That attitude, uh, you know, Daniel Burnham makes no little plans, you know, just think big, think big. Uh, I mean, it was the atomic age, it was the jet age, you know, uh, we had miracle, medical miracles like antibiotics. You know, we're going to do a whole new stuff, create a whole new world here. And I think that's that's sort of went into the thinking. And you know, here here we get into the question of whether because Black Bottom was a black neighborhood, Corktown was had, had a lot of Maltese immigrants, that made it easier to say, okay, well these are not neighborhoods of value. So I think that I mean that's a great question. I, I think that uh, I, I think it had to do just with the attitude that we're we're going to do big stuff here. John, if I were to walk the area now, the neighborhood and the people who live there and ask how they feel about it. What do you think the general feeling is in the area today about the removal of the highway? You'll find mixed feelings about it. Some of the uh, people who live nearby and some of the housing immediately to the east of 375, so east of downtown, will say that, hey, you know, there's a lot of traffic. It's better that it's buried. It's quieter if it's buried in this, you know, recess below grade expressway. But if it's up on a surface street, it's going to be a lot noisier once they raise it up. So I've had some people say, so we, we don't want to raise it up. We want to leave it down where it is. But you'll also find people who really think that expressways do with tremendous damage to a city and cut through neighborhoods. And, uh, you know, what we ought to do is, you know, get rid of them to the extent that we can and force people to take public transit and have a more walkable city. So I think you'll probably find, you know, a mixed, a mixed attitude. There was even some guy on Twitter who... He said, we ought to leave it, you know, buried expressway, but then open it up to the river and flood it and make it a canal. So I, I think you're going to find a lot of different attitudes. Whenever there are big projects, redevelopment in urban areas today, one of the big issues and hot topics that comes up is gentrification. So with this influx of uh, infrastructure money, the new law that was passed in Congress, it's going to be coming in, lots of investment. Do you think that some of the fears and the things that turn the attitudes in different directions could be related to that idea that this might just become another gentrified area? It's not really restoring Black Bottom. It's just going to make it a new affluent hip place to be. Sure. Well, well certainly the whole housing scene uh, in and around downtown Detroit is more upscale than the city as a whole. But certainly, um, that's something that has been expressed a lot, that, that anytime we talk about redeveloping a project, it's just another for economically upscale enclave. Uh, a lot of the people moving in, in and around downtown tend to be the, the young professionals, a lot of them working at the medical center. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people are fearful that that's going to be the result. It'll be sort of another gentrified enclave. So we'll see. I was curious about how the development of the removal came about. How does that process look? How do those decisions get made? So we reached out to the Michigan Department of Transportation and spoke with John Lurie, the head project manager. Uh, yeah, really it's something, uh, that type of change or solution doesn't happen overnight. It's been a number of years of work and, and I think it, you know, conceived in its earliest form, probably in the early 2010s and really uh, the city of Detroit, the downtown development authority, 
uh, in partnership with MDOT and the Riverfront Conservancy, did a planning and environmental linkages study, one of the first ones the department did, looking at this uh, segment of freeway and its future and whether uh, it should be a freeway or uh, if it's better served by like a, a boulevard or, or other type of roadway. Mr. Lurie, I'm curious if the earliest parts of this removal project started in the early 2010s. How is it that now things have jump-started and are picking up steam again? Uh, coming out of that original planning and environmental linkages study, there was no clear alternative to move forward with, so we started an environmental assessment in 2017 to really look at uh, further refinement and what that project would look like. And so we've landed on uh, that alternative, and now we're starting to design. Surely with the loss of this highway, there are other impacts for the city concerning traffic volumes, uh, other forms of transportation, and economic sorts of impacts. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit uh, about what this means, having the boulevard instead of the freeway? Yeah, really, um, since it, it's coming from a freeway to a boulevard, it does still serve a large volume of traffic, so we had to take that into account. But one of the big things is making sure that we have the multimodal components with it. So we have uh, a cycle track on the, on the east side that connects down from the riverfront. That was another big piece was the freeway didn't really have that riverfront connection. That connection was seen as as important. Really wider sidewalks on the, on the central business district side, like 22 foot wide sidewalks so that there's room for pedestrian activation and, and kind of people to move around in those spaces. And then another exciting piece for us really is uh, right now, the, all the drainage for 375 um, and the freeway segments to the north, it does drain into our combined sewer system. Uh, we have this opportunity with Kenta New Connection uh, to the riverfront to, to provide a separate outfall where we'll treat the water, our stormwater, and release it so that it doesn't have to burden our combined sewer system and hopefully you know, decrease the propensity for those combined sewer overflows that we see with these intense rains that we're getting. I asked Mr. Lori some of the same questions about the community response that I asked Mr. Gallagher. What about those who fear that the removal is going to harm their community in some way now? I think time and going through the, the process, uh, the development process, and kind of educating people and getting to understand what we're doing has helped quite a bit. There's, I mean, there's still some some of the residents uh, who see it as this barrier that somehow protects their neighborhood and um, you know don't want to see anything change. But it's, it's some of it's generational. You know, younger people are of course excited about having uh, a more activated street and something that more fits in with the city's fabric. That's all we have time for today on this episode. My name is Brandon Noel. I'm the editor for Asphalt Contractor Magazine. We'd like to thank Mr. John Gallagher and John Lurie for speaking with us today. This podcast is a part of 4constructionpros.com. Make sure to visit the website for all of your products, reviews, news for the industry, and, and any needs contractor professionals might have. Until next time, thanks for listening.